0: Please stand to honor the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are, are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm glad. Well, uh, on behalf of uh, my mom, I, I want to say, say thank you for your prayers, your cards, and your calls. She is buoyed by your expressions of love from her itsy-free community. And yep, she does go to another church. But she loves her itsy-free community, and she's probably watching right now. (laughs) Thanks for loving her well. We're going to get into this. But because you are living out the love of God throughout, action and word and prayer there is something that transpires beyond this realm so I thank you for continuing what was started uh, well a little over 2,000 years ago by our Lord and Savior his life death and resurrection thank you for that and I know each of you could express the same sentiments to the prayers encouragements that you get from one another but I want to thank you We are concluding the series, One Small Step, Advancing the Kingdom, today. But as you just saw in the video, we're never done advancing the kingdom. We're just done with this series. So I hope you grasp that. Yet we want to continue to take these small steps of deliberate and intentional obedience to Jesus. He's the one we follow. And in case we, any of us get a mistaken thought or framework because of our, 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 our well, whatever, we don't walk beside Jesus as a co-equal. Uh, this may be the place in which some of you need to kind of go, oh, he caught me. I've been trying to put Jesus as a co-equal with what I do. We follow Jesus. That's his invitation. We follow him. And as uh, I think Francis mentioned earlier, and I don't know where it may have been in the service, really, it's blending, we do it out of a love, but we do it out of obedience. All right, before we get into the the last message, I want to whet your appetite for next week's message on Father's Day. In, In case you missed it, our hospitality crew is brewing up some good food to eat, and we're looking forward to honoring our men next Sunday. I will also be bringing a message specific for men and their intentional opportunity that the Heavenly Father has designed specifically for them, for us, I should say, as we love and follow Him. Uh, yeah, ladies, you can come. You'll want to hear too, I'm sure. Because we want to live into the image of what God has made us to be, we want to live into that fullness. So join us as we'll uh, be taking on that topic next week. All right, today, taking ground, taking ground, uh, quickly advancing. Uh, We are used to this word uh, retreat in the church. We need to abandon it, Uh, abandon the idea of retreating. It has no good connotation and it's nothing about Jesus. So advancing is your next word. Is your next word Roman armies would send someone ahead of them to announce the gospel. Did you hear that? The gospel that the new emperor was adding their land to the Roman Empire. Did you hear that word? Gospel. That's not a biblical term. That is a Roman term that the New Testament writers put into the New Testament writings. Gospel. They would say to the inhabitants, either you accept the rule that is happening, well, or get ready for a battle. Get ready for a battle. The same word gospel was used by the New Testament, as I said, in the New Testament covenant writings regarding the good news. And if you're thinking that it was just by you know these men that were putting into play sorry it probably was men I don't mean to be that way but that's probably the case it was the Holy Spirit's guidance to use a word that they would understand let's not forget that the gospel it's advancing the kingdom by the Holy Spirit by some grand ways so, yep, uh, some of you are familiar with this picture. Some of you may not be, right? Mordor, right? Advancing against the gates of hell itself is what we're called to do. So let me tell you how it's done. We live in love in the way of Jesus. We, as we live in love in the way of Jesus, we are advancing the kingdom. Did you hear that? As we live in love in the way of Jesus, we are advancing the kingdom of God. In Matthew's gospel, we have recorded for us uh, a dramatic shift. Uh, we don't grasp it so well in our day and age, but we grasp it today or we we would grasp it then uh, far greater. Uh, specifically Matthew 5 through 7, but you can find it. I'm I'm reading chronologically and Uh, The amazing thing is that uh, Luke's uh, rendition, because I've read Matthew so much, uh, probably over and over again, is undoing me on these topics. But the shift is dramatic. This kingdom that Jesus is bringing in is far different than what we think or ever imagined. It is advancing against what they thought or what they even believed. And it's this. So the the Jewish believers, they knew that their behavior had to show a certain way. But it was not not attending to the heart of the matter. Are you hearing me? It wasn't attending to the heart. But when Jesus came, he he did some dramatic things. We'll get get to them in a few moments. But he did some dramatic things. He moved it from just behavior that you do to the way you are from the inside out. It's change. And there's only one who can actually judge rightly why you do what you do, but he will judge rightly when the time comes. We can all act correctly in the moment, can't we? Yet the way of Jesus is holiness and purity of heart, it's a way of holiness and purity of heart that he desires. Even the Old Testament gives us glimmers and glimpses of this truth, right? It's about the rending of our heart, right? I believe Joel tells us. It's not about the sacrifices you bring or how much you give, per se. Who can change the heart? Not just what you do. Who is that one? And what is it that changes us? Well, it's exactly what we espouse around here. It is the love of God that can change that. That's the only thing. Not behavior modification, as much as my, I love training my, my mouse in college to do some crazy things. I love that Skinnerian behaviorism. God's not into that. He truly wants the heart to be changed and transformed. Paul, in Romans 12, clearly states the very same thing. As followers of Jesus, what does Paul tell us? He says that we should offer our whole bodies as living sacrifices. Far, far contrary to what was happening in the, in the day and age that was then, right? They were just, they, their bodies, the, there was just a shell. It was really more about the mind, the head, if you grasp it. But Jesus came along and said, no, no, no. The, the mind and the body and the soul, they all act. And they're to be acting as one. That's how I designed you. That's how I created you. Uh, I'm going to pick up on a little theme Brother Ray uh, preached into this on Sunday. I love this. When I worked in a grocery store in the greenhouse, yep, we're going there. <laughs> you love this? How we just can kind of pick up on themes and just keep them going? I would have the opportunity to carry bags for people lug Christmas trees, uh, interact with people. These are the expectations of my job. I, I enjoyed doing them. Yet I'm not sure that my actions actually emanated out of a place of love. Uh, maybe you can concur in that, even presently, I don't know. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't out of a desire to love God and love others in all of those places and spaces. Especially when I wasn't following Jesus during those years. My motivation was less than the best. Uh, to get to the end of the day and collect a paycheck. That was the goal. Woo! I made it to the end. How much did I get paid, right? You see, some of us are maybe still in that space and place. And I, I get it. Uh, the Lord's still in the process of changing us, right? Transforming us. Was I a nice boy or young man? Well, absolutely, I was nice. If I wasn't, uh, it would be quickly found out, just like all of us. But I didn't love people with a pure heart or pure mind. This is to make sure their Christmas tree didn't fall off their car before they, as they drove down the road. Or that whatever they couldn't lift into the back of their car, it got into the back of their car. And they got it home and they figured out how they had to get it out. I'd have to figure that out. You see what I'm saying, right? Huh. Yet as we live and love in the way of Jesus... Seriously, as we live and love in the way of Jesus, that is supposed to be transformed. When we live in that space of loving people as God loves them, which is hard work, right? Yes, it is. We advance the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, incredibly. So Jesus invites us to follow him and go live out love, the love of Jesus, Where does this start? How does this come about? Well, and how do we advance the kingdom? I mean, in the ways that needs it, you know, the the people that need to have the hope of Jesus. Well, let's take a look at today's text. I think there's a piece of it here, not all of it, but I think there's a piece that helps us to understand where we bring ourselves and where we stop and God is, The kingdom. The kingdom. Jesus has been, in this passage of scripture, in Matthew 16, Jesus has been bringing the kingdom of God. What do I mean by he's been bringing the kingdom of God? He has been preaching a new way, I alluded to that, to live now and to love God in a far different way than they have been used to. I mean, think about it. Uh, A little bit later than we are in our passage in Matthew 16 But uh, Jesus commends the love of a woman Who pulls the whatever out of her hair To let it down and pour stuff on her and love him That is scandalous love, friends But that's the love that Jesus is saying You need to have this kind of love In fact, I think scripture says That you (laughs) will continue to preach about this woman Until Jesus comes back because it's so scandalous. That's the kind of love, right? But he also heals illnesses with the power of of some of the realm, right? The blind, the lame, the lepers, he interacts with them and he doesn't leave them as they are. He changes them from what they are who they you know what they believe they are to who they really are he drives out demons and evil spirits this is a whole other realm that they've kind of played in and around it but they didn't see the power of this coming not only that but he outright challenged the pharisees in their own turf Uh, you know that's just not cool But he does, he takes the Hebrew Bible, which we know now, they didn't totally grasp then, but it was him in the flesh, and he rearranges it before them so that they would come to a greater fullness of what it meant for them. So he's creating quite a steer. The kingdom is on the march. It is advancing as he moves, talks, whatever Jesus does. there is a lot of talk that happens when that takes place. You ever had a new boss where you work? (laughs) Maybe you did or did not care for the last one. Doesn't matter. When the new one comes, let me tell you, uh, you probably don't have water coolers where you're at. But back in the day, they used to have water coolers. You know, and the new boss, whether good or bad, becomes part of the water cooler talk. He's the new new boss in town, right? You hear stuff like, "Uh, she's wonderful, or wow, he's tough. I mean, you you start to hear these things. Life's simply not going to be as it was before. We we know that when we have transition. Life's not going to be the same. New wine demands, in this case, new wineskins. Change, even if it's good, causes a stir. And Jesus knew this. So he's been huddling with his community group on a regular basis. But this occasion, he says to them, what do people say that the Son of Man is? What is it that they're saying about me? What words do they usher about me? Now, it is rather interesting, we see this this term, son of man. It's one of Jesus' favorite terms to use about himself, yet it kind of heralds itself back to, some of us know this, back to Daniel, where uh, Daniel has a vision, and he says, there's a son of man coming, right, in the vision, We're not really sure, to be honest, because I know some of you may have gone that way. We're not really sure if if Jesus uses it because of that or if it's just this uh, familiarity with the very fact that he is the son of man. I tend to think that there's probably a little bit of both. But however you may go, there is this twinge that he's tipping his hand potentially, and this is where I want to land, to the fact that he is the Messiah. He may be tipping his hand to that. But what do they say? In verse fourteen, it says, "Well, they replied. Some say John the Baptist; some say Elijah; others say Jeremiah, and one of the and one of the other prophets, or one of the other prophets." Now, uh, if you did not know, John the Baptist at this point, I believe in Matthew's uh, gospel and its in its progression, uh, John the Baptist has already been beheaded. Right, so he's already been beheaded, and there's some that are like going. Woo, woo. i think he's back right right uh, so that just kind of might give you a little bit of an inclination of where where some people's minds and their hearts and their thoughts elijah it's not out of the question elijah one like elijah was promised right it's not out of the question and others were like i have no clue some one of the prophets, gotta be, you know, because it's just way too powerful and he's way too authoritarian uh, for us. Yet, I tend to get this idea that that's not what, that was really, he didn't really care about what other people were talking about him around the water cooler, right? Have you ever huddled with your family and said, or with your kids, if you have kids or whatever, and said, hey, what do they say about me? Maybe you don't. I didn't. To be honest, honest, I didn't do that. But I would be concerned with what my kids thought about me. Who do you say I am? What role do I play in your life? So Jesus kind of comes in and he begins to close in on, I think, the ultimate question of which is our question even today. It's the confession question. Who do you say I am? who do you say i am i mean it really doesn't matter what other people think of him right was he he was only really concerned about who they th- thought he was i think when you think about it though this is probably the most important question one could ever ask of you uh, especially one who says they're the messiah considers them the messiah the Son of Man? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In our own lives, we can work hard for what others think of us, knowingly and unknowingly, those who don't matter and may never care for us truly. I mean, we can think about how we look in pictures like, oh, is my hair right? Do I, Is the complexion good? Are we wearing the right clothes? Do we live in the right house, in the right neighborhood? Do we have the right car? Am I getting the right experiences that everybody else should say that I should Everything can be triggered on these external motivations, right, that are around us, on on the others around us. But Jesus asked this question, who do you say I am? It's at this point that I think Jesus moves past the, you know, we have this introduction of the kingdom and, he, and then he gets this confession and then he moves us or moves the group, the community group, these disciples to another level and another realm, to the supernatural, to the supernatural. Who do you say I am? And Peter Uh, whom we probably are not too surprised if we understand who Peter is a little bit, says this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The son of the living God, which moves us right directly into the supernatural. The supernatural. Peter steps into another realm with his response, one that he may or may not have known that he stepped into, but Jesus in a second, we'll make it clear. Remember, Jesus has been bringing the kingdom, this, this other world beyond their realm, uh, beyond their ability, beyond their scope of even conceiving of, this new way of living and loving. It was transcending the ways of the religious rulers of the day. It was powerful. It was restorative. It was hopeful. This way of Jesus was otherworldly. We have to understand that. It's not just commonplace. It's not just like, well, I like, I confess, I'm, I can live it. But he's saying, when you confess that I'm the Messiah, you step into a whole other realm. Well, let's just consider what Jesus has told us as followers of Jesus, that we are to be obedient about, just a few, or to live into as, a, as part of the kingdom realm. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Not forgive and uh, forgive and I'll forgive everything. He said, look, I need need you to understand, as a child of God, you are called to be obedient and forgive those who wrong you, that trespass against you, that sin against you. And then, conditional, maybe we don't like this, then he says, I'll forgive you, yours. You ever tried to forgive anybody that's harmed you? you're human, right? It's not easy. It is truly otherworldly to live in the place of forgiveness, to look at somebody in whom you're like you have this maybe deep-rooted bitterness at one point in your life and to love them like Jesus loves them. You can't do that. But Jesus can. The supernatural, this is what transpires. When we, when we confess that Jesus is Lord of our life, that he is the Messiah, the confession moves us past our realm of what we can do to the realm of what He can do and will do through us if we step confidently and courageously with obedience. Love your enemy. I guess it falls in the same realm, but that's a tough one. They've learned that, you know, they love those who love you. Take care of those who love you. How about this one? Lust is equal to adultery, so don't lust. Oh, my. Silence falls across the crowd. Rightly so. Jesus can, though, he can move us to the place where we see our brothers, our men as brothers, and women as sisters. In a healthy relationship, uh, he tells us that our yes needs to be yes and our no needs to be no. How many of us have, have reneged on those? Absolutely. Because we attempt to do this on our own power and our own might, but Jesus uh, Jesus brings this otherworldly realm. He introduces it to us, but only at the cross and the empty grave are we able, by the Holy Spirit, to live as he called us to live. And we, we have to step into the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. How about give to those in need? Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard because it means sacrificing you. Put aside the wealth of the culture and seek the kingdom. In so many different places, he tells us to do this, to set it aside. doesn't say that we cannot have wealth. He says to to seek the kingdom and then do with your wealth as the kingdom commands and demands. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. That one's kind of the new one of our, of our day and age, right? Trust. How about this? Did it be a fruitful kingdom tree. That your life, you are a tree in the kingdom of God. That your tree is to produce fruit for the kingdom. Whether you go to John 15 or you go to other passages, th- these are all found in Matthew 5 through 7, by the way. It is incredible. My point of of kind of delving in and staying here for a moment is that you can't do these things. I can't do these things. Jesus Jesus asks Peter and the rest of the, the men in his community group, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, one commentary actually says that they probably didn't come, they, the spirit of the living God, Father, gave this to them, but it wasn't the first time they had thought about this. This is probably true. They're like, who is this guy? What is he doing in our midst? What is transpiring here? One thing we, we, we often kind of think about Jesus is he, or we can have this kind of wrestling, I think, within us, is that Jesus uh, doesn't lower the bar in living. He raises the bar. He transcends the law to live into the law and the spirit. And he brought the fullness of the kingdom to bear. And this way of living was far more difficult. Paul points this out. You read Romans. I know it's a little confusing. But Paul points this out. It's easier to live to the law than it is to live into the fullness of the kingdom. Even empowered, empowered by the spirit. This is why. A few weeks ago, not too many weeks ago, Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Then he states, in alignment with what we are talking about, taking one small step, advancing the kingdom of God, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A life, the life of a witness for Jesus is powered by the Spirit of God. That's what that passage of Scripture is telling us. There's no other way to live. Can I, can I just kind of let you in on s- just some wonderful serendipitous, you probably had them too, serendipitous things that happen. So we're watching, if I may, I'm going to step in here. We, we were watching Lemuel play uh, soccer yesterday. Uh, soccer fields across from where we live, and we just kind of rode our bikes over, plopped on our chairs, sat next to Francis. We begin to talk, we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. Yep. Watching soccer, we're watching, cheering Lam on, we're doing that stuff. But well, we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we pack things up, and we talked about a few other things, and obviously, and pack things up. And this couple sitting next to Francis, whom she knows, they do school and soccer together, type of thing. He comes back over from somewhere. He said, "Hey, love the conversation about the Holy Spirit." guy was eavesdropping. (laughs) My point is this, uh, a wonderful correlation uh, and conversation, but we are often fearful of having conversations of blatant, overt, kingdom activity and what should happen in and around us now we weren't getting into specifics about behavior or anything like we were just talking about how the Holy Spirit works and how he moves and how he speaks to us and in some things that uh you know reading and that type of thing I just I find it just wonderfully refreshing that in in a place and space where we often think there are few and far between people of of Jesus loving spirit-filled desiring people that it happened It happened at an open house I was at earlier this spring. you know we got in a conversation it was it was during the Asbury revival, and then I may have commented on it then, but we were just like and found out these people that you know where they live and they go to a holiness camp and eat in Eatin rapids and i 'm like what's happening? The life of a witness for Jesus. Is powered by the Spirit of God. Jesus says to Simon this You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Do, you did not learn this from any other human being. This came from the Spirit of God. This came from the, 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 the resource room, the gift room of heaven to you. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? So some of those crazy thoughts and conversation pieces you want to have with somebody else, can I just tell you, uh, take a chance. Embark on it. What do you, you have nothing to lose. You really don't. I know this was a safe place for Peter, but I think that Jesus, God, in his great goodness to us, wants to give us these gifts that allow us to see the flourishing of the kingdom. And he implants them in our minds. And he says, look, take a step, take a step in the direction. I want to come back. The Father gave Simon the answer, right? Jesus asked the penultimate question that is for all of us. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asks. The answer flows from the lips of Peter as a gift from God. There is no other way that he would have gotten that. It's no other way you can get it either, by the way. The spirit of the living God gives you that truth. While it came to the Father, it comes out of Peter Peter as a declaration of truth, of faith. A key confession which unleashes the power of Heaven itself in that place and space and through Peter. This is how we advance the kingdom. We confess that Jesus is Lord. We live and love in the way of Jesus. Jesus goes on to say, Now, that, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I love it. I love it. How dis- difficult is it to to find yourself in a place, and, and I know Brother Ray preached on this the discipleship, our discipleship, allows evangelism, these two words that sometimes we, you know we may struggle with, allows us to be empowered or powered by the spirit. How did how did we get to this place? 2,000 plus years later. Uh, there are a lot of books written, but let me, let me read a quote from a book called Four Reasons Why the Early Church Grew So Quickly. Plagues, fires, natural disasters, and devastation from riots or war are semi-regular occurrences in cities where the, which the early Christians called home. What distinguished Christians was their response to these all-too-frequent calamities. Instead of fleeing to the countryside to escape the most recent plague, they stayed to take care of their own and for others. Even Even without any knowledge of medical science, the simple act of providing food, water, and shelter to sick people vastly improved survival rates in times of widespread disease. It also sent a powerful message of solidarity to those uh, pagans who happened to receive a helping hand. The results over time were shifting social networks and regular conversions to this community of faith so dedicated to service. Can, Can I tell you that nothing has changed? Absolutely nothing has changed on this. That as we're filled with the Spirit, we stay in step with the Spirit. And often Jesus doesn't tell us to flee when calamities come. He actually tells us to run toward the fire. That may not be for all of us, but he does for some of us. You see, when we live and love in the way of Jesus, we're advancing the kingdom. Jesus didn't walk away from Jerusalem. He walked toward Jerusalem, up A journey that none of us could ever follow. To the cross, to an empty grave, to give us the ability to live, not just exist, not just breathe, but really breathe deeply. So what are our next steps? I I get it. Telling, Telling your friends someone is coming to rule their life may seem like a strange thing to say. At face value, it may not even seem like good news. But it is the truth that Jesus desires to advance the kingdom, and he's not talking about land. We've kind of figured that out in the New Testament. He is talking about hearts and lives that are made in his image. The gospel is a declaration of war against the power of sin, death, And the devil in their lives. The gospel declaration is a is a declaration of victory, of their wholeness, of who they've been designed to be. And some of us are questioning, how does this transpire? Can I just tell you, part of our conversation yesterday morning was, we don't always know, but the Spirit does. We may may know scripture, but we're not sure how to have the conversation. The spirit does. We want to live powered lives in the spirit so that the enemy can continue to be defeated over and over again, one incremental step at a time. (laughs) I, I understand that it may seem like it's characteristic of other kindnesses around the world. But I hope you've grasped, before we move on to our end and the last song, that the change is that Jesus knows the difference in your heart. You see, we can do kindness all day long, but Jesus knows our heart and why we do the kindnesses we do. And we can have neighbors around us who are kind, and we want them to be kind. We'd rather have them be kind than mean, right? But somewhere along the line, Jesus in His and God the Father in his omnipotence will take that all into account. And our motivation is out of a love, a love for God and for others, all others around us. So let me give you just three simple ways that I think that, uh, one, uh, that we can advance the kingdom one step at a time. You're going to get tired of this. I get it. But can I just tell you the table is one of the best ways to advance the kingdom? Uh, The table, whether you have a picnic or you go for a walk or you have a coffee with somebody, taking the time to see somebody as they are, not controlling the conversation, but letting them speak from their heart and allow the spirit to move into those places. It is one of the grand places and spaces that that the kingdom comes alive. Uh, Just take a journey through the book of Luke and see how many times Jesus had a meal with somebody and their lives were changed. Their lives are transformed. Seriously. It's just a wonderful thing, and it's not too difficult. So, can I tell you, we have two new neighbors in our neighborhood. already said hi to both of them. Do you see what I'm saying? We we just we don't have to control the conversation. The spirit controls the conversation. The Holy Spirit is in control. As we surrender ourselves to his work that is already happening. You're not bringing the work. He's already leading the way. Crisis crisis. I, I spoke to it a little bit about uh in that in that uh a quote from the early Christians, but crisis is one of those places. One of the, one of the things that uh, we might find ourselves in is being able to help people out. Yep. Flat tires may be one of those, right? Or something else that you know is happening to those around you that you can you can actually step into if they allow you to demonstrate Jesus' love in a sacrificial, self-sacrificial way. Do you know anybody who's going through a crisis? Do you know how you could help them in that crisis? And the other one's just simply needs. needs. Now, this is a picture of a family because one of the thoughts was, do you have a family in your block, in your neighborhood, who's, uh, who probably would love to have free babysitting so their kids, so they could go out on a date? You see, the needs don't have to be grand or great. They just have to meet a need. Uh, fill a space or a place where, that could help out and I get it we're not all available to do everything at all times but what needs do you see around us or around you excuse me and us I suppose you could bring those I think these are the places where the Holy Spirit continues to lead it. this is why I argue I don't think the, I don't think the, the, the message hasn't changed the, some of the crises have changed the needs have changed but the way the early Christians did it hasn't changed And it is related to some of the thoughts that we brought up. I think it was in the first message. It just, some of these things need to come without any judgment, any condemnation, any thought. Somebody says, I need something. You Okay. And you may, you may in your own mind and heart, go, hmm, that's interesting. But Jesus has put you in the intersection of this opportunity. He's put you in the intersection of that opportunity. I want to end with this and remind us what Paul reminds the Ephesians and what we have the wonderful opportunity to do and read through the letters this summer. I hope you join us with that. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of the power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So this is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. This is Paul's prayer to us even today, I believe. that's just echoing through the centuries. But he's, he's attempting to try to, try to get the, the church to understand, you know, the power that you need to live in is the same power that raised Jesus from the grave which is the confession of which you place your life on which is good it is the only power in which you need to live and do life the one in whom gives you breath the ruach of God the Holy Spirit so let me ask where's your confession today Jesus is asking us in this moment you see it's a daily thing if I can remind us it's a daily thing daily you're to take up your cross and follow him what is your confession today? Jesus asks you who do you say I am? secondly Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? We tend to leak as followers of Jesus, as it's been said and kind of joked about, but life is life, it's tough. And we need to, as we sung about, we need to pray, come and fill us again. So the question that the Spirit's putting before us this morning is, Jesus is asking, who do you say I am? Are you filled with the Spirit? Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you. You know, when, Lord, I, I, th- I think about there are a lot of things in life I, I do alone and i often um would rather do them alone without the assistance of others to kind of have this uh this ability to say that i i did it that i can do it but i have to confess lord even even as i i enjoy those places where being by myself or being alone or I think I had these thoughts. I mean, all of that is so arrogant, so prideful. So even as you pose these questions before uh, all of us this morning, I have to confess that, Lord, I, teach me what it is to depend on you even more, to hunger for your spirit's power more. Lord, for those of us here this morning who are querying whether we confess you as Lord today, or speak to that person or those people. For those, Lord, who are hungering for the Spirit, I'm reminded that you made it pretty very clear to us that if a good father knows how to good give gifts to his son or daughter, that the, that the Father knows how to give good gifts to those who ask. And so, Father, we just simply have to ask. So, friends, if, if you're in that place where you're, you feel like the, you need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, just like those who were in the upper room, I, I ask you and I encourage you to ask and wait. Wait. For those uh, that may have yet to say yes to Jesus this morning because you want your confession to be that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, not just any Savior, your Savior, you can pray this prayer, this confession, if you will. Thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you in Jesus' name.